This is the Ridge Hunter Outdoors Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is episode 57 of the Ridge Hunter Outdoors Podcast. I'm Kenyon Clark. Sorry we missed last week, guys. It's been pretty busy, as you probably know. So, apologies for that, but getting right back in it this week, and hopefully from here on out, we won't miss any other weeks. Hopefully going to get the other guys back in here soon as well. I know you guys like hearing from them, what they got going on and their perspective on things as well. So, hopefully we'll get them back in. Um, it's going to be another shorter episode today since it is just me and I got to get out of here. Um, it is Monday morning already. Normally I like to have these posted by midnight on Monday, but this one will be a little bit later, but it's going to be out. Oh, it is out now. Obviously you're listening to it. So we'll get into it. I got a couple things I want to talk about today. And the first one's kind of, it just hit me the wrong way and it's pretty disappointing. And we've talked about it some on the podcast before, but I'm not going to get terribly in-depth, but I do want to talk about it a little bit because I'm not sure how much we have in the past. I know we've talked about some hunting brand stuff on other episodes, but and we've kind of glossed over this several times. But I saw some Facebook posts the other day, um, and a few of them, they were all along the same lines, but the one that got me thinking about it was an out-of-state guy had come in and he shot a buck. Obviously, he came here to hunt bigger deer than where he was from. So he just came in and was looking to shoot a nice. He was trophy hunting, which is, again, fine. Like I have no problem with that. I do the same thing. A lot of people do the same thing. But I'll get into that in a second. Anyway, looking for a nice buck to shoot. He shot one, and then he posted on a Facebook group that he was looking for somewhere to donate the meat. And people got on there and just ripped him up and down for just coming to Illinois to shoot a buck and not wanting to take the meat home and, I don't know, use the bones for knives and the hides for coat. I don't know if they wanted him to be like the Indians and use, you know, everything from the deer or what. But I think most of it, part of it is out-of-state guys, generally there's a bad reputation, and that only comes from a handful of them that come in and do stupid stuff and ruin it for the rest of them. There are so many out-of-state guys that are customers of ours that are great dudes, and, I mean, they're not doing anything wrong. They're just hunting like the rest of us, just coming out, trying to have a good time and enjoy the outdoors and hunt. But, again, there's a handful that do dumb stuff, and it it ruins it for the rest of them. But there's plenty of local guys. There's more local guys that do dumb stuff than out-of-state guys. So I don't really understand that altogether, um, maybe they're just, uh, part of it's probably just jealousy that they can come do that and kill nice deer and they do. And the guy that isn't a very good deer hunter has been hunting here all his life and can't kill a good deer. So maybe that's part of it. I don't know. It, it sure seems like it when you read some of the comments about guys or from guys hiding behind their keyboard. That's the other thing too. It's just like anything else, politics, uh, you name it. If you're talking about social media, people are so much braver than if it was face-to-face. Because if they were face-to-face with these guys, they'd never say a word. They're not going to say some of the stuff that they're saying on Facebook about them or what they're doing, how they're hunting, you know, because if there's a chance you're going to get punched in the mouth, you're probably going to keep your opinions to yourself if they're stupid. 
On Facebook, they don't run that risk, though, so they can hide behind their keyboard and say a bunch of dumb stuff. It's really frustrating because the more people we can get hunting, the better it's going to be for the rest of us. There's more resources that way because of the extra revenue that it generates, especially out-of-state guys. They're paying a lot of money to come in here and hunt whitetails, whether that's money that's going to the state, who knows what they're doing with it, at least it's there, or that's money that's going to local businesses. That's the more important thing to me is they're spending a lot of money on in local businesses. Uh, they're leasing ground from somebody more than likely. Maybe they're staying at a local hotel or a lodge or somebody's putting them up in a rent house. There's so much more than just the tags that they bring revenue-wise to the area. I, I can't understand why guys want to run them off. And then just the hunting in general, like as a community, the more deer hunters we have, the better it's going to be for us because we've got more people that are into it. And that was something that we talked about in the Improving the Hunting Brand podcast was the more people that we can get on our hunting side, the less pressure we're going to have from the groups that are completely anti-hunter and want to change the way we do things, whether that be like the outlawing of trail cameras out west, that's who knows how far that's going to go, um, different firearms legislation that could affect us as deer hunters, all that kind of stuff. The uh, one we talked about at some point last year was the the competitions for hunting, basically, like the, the contest, whether it be coyotes or big buck contest or any kind of contest you can think of. <clears throat> people trying to get rid of those. The more people we can have understanding what we do and doing what we do, the better off we're going to be because we're going to have uh, there's more power in numbers in the hunting community. And that's more people who are voting as well. And I know we don't talk about politics much on here, but bottom line is if you can get more people into hunting instead of running them off because you're jealous or, or whatever it is, your own ignorance, we'll have more people voting in our interest. And that doesn't mean left, right, center. It just means candidates who are going to protect our rights as hunters and protect public lands and even rights on private land. So, it, again, it just it's aggravating to see how many people will jump in on, on guys like that. And there's so much that, that goes into that, too. It's not like he was shooting that deer and he just cut the head off and left the rest of it to rot. He was legitimately looking for a place where he could get rid of it and it be useful to somebody. Because, as he stated, on, I think he replied to a comment. He had plenty of meat in his freezer. His buddies did as well, all the ones that came up to hunt with him. So it's not like they were just getting rid of it because they they didn't want the meat because it was a big buck. And there are guys that do that. And if they want to do that, okay, fine. But I do think that's a little bit different when you're just getting rid of it because, well, you don't want to eat it. So why would somebody else if you didn't want to? But that's not what this guy was doing. He was just already had enough. And was looking to make use of the rest of the deer instead of just wasting it. Again, there's plenty of local guys and out-of-state guys, I'm sure. They'll just shoot a buck and cut the head off or cut the antlers off and leave the rest of it and waste the whole thing. And that's not what he was doing at all. So those people that acting like he should be using all of it, like the Indians, that's just stupid. Nobody does that anymore anyway. Some people maybe do, and that's awesome too. Cool. Um, but if not, he's just trophy hunting. Big deal. If you want to, and this is something we've talked about as well, 
if you want to go out there and shoot the first spike you see because you that's what you enjoy doing, man, that's awesome. Go do it. As long as you're doing everything legal, go do it. If you want to go out there and sit all year and not kill a deer because you're waiting for a 200-inch deer that probably isn't in the area, that's awesome too. Maybe you do find one. Maybe you do kill him. Maybe you go the whole year without shooting one. If you're all right with that, and again, you're doing everything legally, go for it. Knock yourself out. We're not here. I'm not about bashing anybody for hunting the way they want to hunt as long as it's all legal. Unless you're doing something completely stupid, unethical, or illegal, go for it. Like, there are states where you can hunt. I believe in Virginia you can still deer hunt with dogs. Cool. Uh, You know, don't do it here because it's not legal, but if you want to do that out there, that's awesome, man. I'm sure it's a big tradition to some of those people, and they really enjoy doing it. Go for it. Be my guest. Like, I have no problem with that. I got no problem with anybody hunting with a crossbow or a compound bow or a recurve bow or the AR-style pistols, shotguns, the rifles that are coming out, muzzleloaders, blinds, tree stands, from the ground, stalking, whatever it is, go for it. If that's what you want to do, that's the way you enjoy hunting in the outdoors, and you're being ethical about it, and you're not out there just maiming a bunch of deer because of something stupid you're doing, or you're not out there breaking a bunch of laws, then awesome. The more people we can get hunting, the better off we're all going to be. And I'm not going to be one to get on Facebook and bash somebody because of the way they were doing it or because they were trying to donate meat because they didn't want to take it back with them because they didn't need it. I guess maybe they would rather them just leave the deer. I mean, I know they'd rather them just not come up here and hunt, but again, look at all the revenue that out-of-state guys bring in wherever you're at, whatever your area is, you get good deer hunting. Look at all the revenue that they bring in, and it's not just the hunting revenue either. Think of all the local businesses they're helping out. And that, again, that out-of-state thing I think has a lot to do with it. These got local heroes on there. And I'm not trying to act like I'm holier-than-thou, you know, high and mighty. But I don't get on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever and bash people for the way they're hunting. So I do feel like we can use whatever platform we have here to maybe try to help bring some light to those people. And honestly, they're not even worth... If you're if you're the one making those posts and people are on there commenting and bad-mouthing you, you just... I know it's tough, but you kind of just got to ignore them. Hopefully, us doing this and calling them out and bringing some light to it will be enough. Maybe they'll understand or see from a different perspective that, okay, yeah, maybe I was wrong for doing that. And a certain number of them won't because they're just unhappy people out there. Again, no matter what it is in life, some people are just unhappy, and they're not happy unless they make everybody else unhappy. And then they're still unhappy because that's just the way they are. So there's definitely people like that in the hunting community as well. And it's pretty disappointing. It's upsetting to see. Not upsetting, but aggravating. Because you know there's people that are shooting smaller deer or something. Or maybe they are just trophy hunting. And instead of sharing that with everybody and people congratulating them and showing them support, being behind them about it, they don't end up posting it or sharing it anywhere. And maybe potentially reaching somebody who otherwise wouldn't have seen anything hunting-wise that might have joined the hunting community because they saw this cool picture of this guy who had a great time hunting, and now he's sharing his harvest. Those people aren't going to share that now because they're worried about some idiot on Facebook who's going to rip them apart for it because that's not the way they would have done it. They would have been in face paint and a deerskin loincloth with their recurve bow and their wooden arrows and their 
rock arrowheads out there spotting stalking them. I don't know. It's dumb. It's it's really frustrating to see that kind of stuff, especially from from a what you would think would be a pretty tight community. And honestly, I think most of it is. The shows we've been to and stuff, it seems like a lot of people are on the same page with that. And the more people you listen to that actually have platforms a lot bigger than ours seem to be on the same page as well. So it is good to see that, but still it's that small number of loudmouths that everybody sees and that make a lot of noise. So you got to talk about it. At least I feel like I have to because, again, whatever platform we do have, I want to try to discourage those people from doing that kind of stuff and encourage everybody else that is on there defending those people or showing them support, congratulating them, and the people who are actually making the posts in the first place. I think it's awesome when people share their harvest. That's part of the reason I started the Southern Illinois Deer Hunter page on Facebook because I wanted to see the hunting community grow and give the guys a place where they can talk about strategies and stuff and what they're seeing out in the field, what's working for them, what's not, and then ultimately to share their harvest when they do make it, uh, make it happen. So it's just it's really frustrating, and again, most of it's just social media, and that stuff doesn't happen in person because they're not they're not the type of people who are going to confront somebody. And even if it was somebody doing something legitimately wrong, they're going to be too scared to talk to say anything about it. They're not those kind of people either. So that was that's my soapbox for the day, I guess. That was my rant about some of the stupid stuff I saw on Facebook. And it was more than one post, and it was in different groups. So obviously a lot of that happens and really always has. It just You see it more now that social media is so prevalent. So that was... Uh, Again, just kind of my soapbox for the day. So I'll get off of that, and we'll start talking about some strategy stuff of our own. And uh, most of the time, I'm going to stick to the strategy stuff on Fridays unless we have guests on here. But since it's just me today, we'll get into it a little bit. We'll talk about some late season stuff. It is December 12th, so we're definitely getting into late season. And talked about it on the past Full Draw Friday and previous episodes. They're back on their feeding patterns. If you want to find a big buck, you're going to have to find the food. And it's not just finding food in general. You have to find the food that they're using. Because some of the places that they were feeding earlier in the year, or maybe last year, aren't necessarily going to be the same places this year. Whether that's because of crop rotation, stuff's gone that wasn't there earlier in the year. Or maybe now it's just more open, and they don't feel comfortable being out where they were when the foliage was still on and everything was still green. Now everything's so open. If you've been out in the woods, you know you can see a lot farther than you could back in even early November. So they're probably going to be fine in different places if there's food in little pockets, kind of like security pockets where they got plenty of concealment cover around them. That's a good place they're going to be. But finding that those spots is going to take a little bit of homework. And again, year over year, if you do have a place that is the same, Siri's talking to me, is the same crop rotation and they have the same amount of cover and everything. If you know that's where they were in the past, that's going to be a good place to start at least. But you can drive around in the truck and do some glassing, maybe do some scouting on the ground as long as you're careful about it, and find out where these deer are going out in the evenings and feeding, whether it's a cut bean field, shelled corn, winter wheat field maybe, one of your brassica plots, 
that's going to be the, in my opinion, the best place. If you've got food plots this time of year that still have stuff in them, whether it be brassicas or if you've got some clover that's still green, corn, beans, whatever you got, tuck back into a strategic location where you should have planted your food plot. <clears throat> those are going to be money this time of year. That's where you you get your dollars worth out of those plots. Is now in the late season since a lot of other stuff is gone. That's probably where you're going to see those deer at. But again, walking around, checking those spots, um, glassing from the truck, and resetting your trail cameras is a big one. If you still have your trail cameras over scrapes, on rut funnels, things of that nature, be a good idea to move those out to a food source where you think the deer might be coming out. And then if you leave it for a few days and there's nothing there, move it to another one till you find the deer. This time of year, you have to go to where the deer are. You can't just sit where you think they should be because it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be there. And even if they were there earlier this year or, again, last year, it doesn't mean they're still going to be there now. you got to find the deer and go to them. And when you do, there's a good you have a good chance of killing a nice buck this time of year. I think it's one of the – it is the most overlooked time of year for killing big bucks is the late season because if you have the food, the best food in your area – and especially if it's close to cover, you're going to see bucks in daylight. You might see every buck that you've got on your particular farm or, or permission property or that you've had on camera all year in one evening. They may not be within bow range, but those are adjustments you can make. And as long as you don't mess anything up, you can still go back and hunt that spot, and they might get in bow range the next night. It is a really good time of year for patterning mature bucks because their number one focus now is food. They're preparing for the harshest part of the winter, still recuperating from the rut, putting weight back on. <clears throat> They're out there in, in the food for long periods of time, which is why you're going to want to focus mostly on evenings. Maybe if you've got a spot in the mornings, this is going to be a time of year potentially to catch them actually going back to bed in the daylight because they might stay out in that crop field, wheat field, food plot until after sunrise. But you definitely don't want to be walking through those places to get to your stand this time of year in the mornings. If you have to walk through where they're feeding at all night in the dark, they're probably still out there. You're going to blow that whole field and run the risk of them never coming back. And then you've ruined a whole month of hunting because you've done pushed them off to some other field. Because they're not going to stand for pressure right now. Obviously, we've been through here in Illinois both the gun seasons. Missouri's been through their gun season. I believe Iowa's been through their gun season now or it's going on. As we speak, finishing up maybe. Indiana, I'm not 100% sure. I believe Kentucky's gun season is over. So we're two months, two, three months into the season from bow hunting and then all the gun pressure they've had. They're not going to put up with a lot more stress from human activity, unusual human activity. So you're not going to get probably a second chance if you mess it up by walking in through where they're wanting to feed. They're probably just going to go find somewhere else with no pressure or at least the least amount they can find. So you got to be smart still about where you're hunting, your entry and exit strategies. Again, if you're going in, I would not recommend hunting food in the mornings at all right now. I would, If you have a spot where you can catch them coming back, that's where I'm going to be. And you'd usually be pretty safe walking, as long as you're not walking those field edges, getting to that stand. So as long as, again, you don't want your wind blowing out to the direction they're going to be coming from either as you're walking in. But entry is important, again, especially in the mornings. In the afternoons, you're going to be able to get away with probably walking through their food source because they're not going to be out there super early. They're going to be out there earlier than probably they would have back in October. And especially if it's a real cold, 
day or maybe it's spitting snow or spitting rain, that's going to be something that could potentially get them up earlier. So like, you know, two, three in the afternoon, as opposed to four thirty, uh, last half hour of daylight, especially the does, they're going to come out pretty early this time of year. But as long as you're going in considerably early, you know, noon, one o'clock, one thirty, and this is going to be something you can judge by the cameras too. Cause if there's not, if the first deer is not in the field by three o'clock, then you know, you're going to be probably pretty safe going out there at two and walking through that food source. So you can do that in the afternoons on the way in. It's just on the way out, it's going to be tough in the evenings. You got to have a alternative exit if you're walking through the food coming in, or there are some ways that you can clear those fields. And I talked about that on full draw Friday, number eight, which was the one that came out this past Friday. So if you're looking for, if you don't have any other options for stand locations, entry and exit, and you have to come in and go out through the food, in the evenings, I would only recommend hunting those stands in the evenings. Go check out Full Draw Friday number eight. Talked about some creative ways that you can clear those fields from different calls to uh, different things you can do to get the deer out of the field so you can get out of the tree stand without them knowing you're there. And that's that's huge. It's just like walking in, in the morning. <clears throat> you don't want to walk out in the evening through there and, and do the same thing. So something you got to be cognizant of. But again, go check out Full Draw Friday number 8, the last one that came out, and you'll get some tips for that. Hopefully they help as far as getting out. You can't really use them, don't really want to use them for getting in, I wouldn't think. But definitely can help. I've used them, been successful with clearing fields and, and getting out in the evenings clean and then being able to come back and hunt those same deer repeatedly. And you again, you don't want to put too much pressure on them, so try not to hunt those stands too many days in a row. Because just like any other time, you're going to have impact every time you go in. There's intrusion. You're running the risk of risk of them getting downwind. So you got to be smart about that as well. But hit the food. Find what food they're on. That's going to be the first thing to do right now. Whether that's setting your trail cameras back up or doing some glassing or putting some miles on the boots carefully. That's, that's going to be your first step if you're especially if it's like the deer just disappeared and you're not seeing them anymore where you saw them all last month, definitely going to have to find where they're at and then go to the deer. It's not going to be 100% success just because you find them either. Know that when they come out in the food, there's no generally no rhyme or reason for the where they're going to come out into there. I Really what I like to do is find out the general area they're coming out of and if I can't get Again, between them and the bedding, which you could do in the afternoon as well. I'm going to try to set probably at least 100 yards away from where the probably the closest place I think they're going to come out at. That also allows me to, if they don't work down towards me, again, you're running that risk of them not ever making it to you, but you still have a month left of season to take care of that and give them a chance to come to you. As opposed to, like I said, having to come out through a field full of deer. That allows me to slip down the backside of that tree and get out undetected if I'm 100 yards from the closest place they come out, especially if they come out and they don't work towards me at all. I can slip out of that tree and then never know I was there, which is what I'm looking for. I'm going low risk, higher, higher reward this time of year because you can do that. <clears throat> it's not like you have to take big risk right now, and you don't want to because it's just not worth it. You've got those deer on you. If you have found where they're at, there's no reason to risk running them off because that's probably where they're going to be for pretty much the rest of the year at this point. 
unless something dra- uh, drastic changes or you mess it up, they're probably going to stick right there, and that's going to be at least one of their destination food sources that you can catch them on. So don't take too many risks, and you don't want to you don't want to mess up your chances for the last month of the season if you haven't killed a buck yet. So when it gets down to the wire, maybe the last week of the season or so, and you get a little risky and you mess things up, you know, that's a difference. So what? You've got a week left. If you can't hunt them, if you mess it up, big deal. They're going to be back next year more than likely. They're going to forget about that way before the season rolls back around. But right now, it's again, for me, it's still a little early to risk messing things up for one chance at them when I can go out there and hunt that spot multiple days in a row as long as the wind's right and they don't know I'm there and have a chance at killing that buck. And just like finding the deer, you got to find that buck too. So that's where cameras are really going to come into play. If you if the buck's not on you anymore, you're not going to be able to kill him. So if you have multiple places you're hunting and maybe your target buck's gone from two of them, but this one place still has one or two bucks you'd like to shoot on it, I'd probably focus in on that place. Because if those other two are gone, there's no sense in wasting your time hunting out there. I would hunt the place where you've got You've confirmed at least that the two, three, one, whatever it is, however many bucks that you'd like to shoot are still there on that property or at least were recently for sure made it through the gun season, even if it's not a daylight picture because, again, it's just a matter of time before they're going to come out into that food during daylight. So that's where I would focus my time. You can you can waste a lot of time in the stand right now <clears throat> if you're hunting deer that aren't there. And that's another thing you can do as far as finding the deer there is another thing you can do, observation sits. We talked about those early in the season, but they come into play again. If you can sit way farther than 100 yards away where you know there's a really slim chance you're going to kill that deer, but you can see a long ways and you can see a lot of different places where they might be coming out to feed. If you can use one or two evenings to sit in that stand, you're not running a very high risk at all of blowing anything out. So take a good set of binoculars and go sit up in there and find out where they're coming out at. If you can't see them from the road or you don't have trail cameras where you can get them back there or just don't have trail cameras, period, that's a good good option as well for you. So keep that in mind. That's pretty much um, the two topics I wanted to cover this week. We're almost at 30 minutes, so that'll be a good length, I think, for just me on here. That way I don't babble too long. You guys don't have to listen to me going over the same stuff, so... I will say I have a vlog update coming soon. If you guys follow us on Instagram or, or uh, I don't remember if I put it on Facebook or not, but I'm most active on Instagram with the Ridge Hunter page. So I do share the podcast and the vlog updates on Facebook and then some other stuff, articles that I find interesting or big buck stuff. But most of the time, if it's just, I don't want to call it random, but I'm more active on the Instagram page for Ridge Hunter Outdoors. So, and that is at Ridge Hunter Outdoors. You can find us there on Instagram if you're on there. But again, if you're already follow us on there, you know that I was able to harvest a doe with the new setup not quite a week ago, into last week, I guess it was. So I'm going to have the vlog update from that. I don't have the shot on video, unfortunately. I was in a tree that doesn't set up well for me to do self-filming with the equipment I have right now. Hopefully that'll change next year. I know I've talked about before, I don't really like self-filming, but I do like being able to see, go back and re-watch the hunts and share it with you guys. So I maybe try to update some of my self-filming equipment 
That way I can get more of that. But either way, I think it'll be a good video. You guys will get to see the the blood trail that I got with that the new setup I'm shooting. That was one thing. There's the biggest reason I shot that doe was because I wanted to see how well everything was going to work. I've been shooting that bow. I've got an old Bowtech Assassin that I've switched over to. And for me, I feel like I shoot it really well. And that's not me saying like I'm some great shooter. I just, compared to the other bow I was shooting, I think I shoot this one better. I should put it that way. And then I've got the G5 Mega Meats that I'm shooting now, 125 grains. Really impressed with what they did. I was... I did only hit rib bone, and I'm not going to be able to shoot that broadhead again. I still haven't looked to see if I can get replacement blades for those. I need to research that. But it's they may be just a one-and-done broadhead. But it did do the job, so it's not like it's that big a deal, especially if it's a big buck. I'm not going to be worried about the broadhead not making it through as long as it kills a deer. So I was pretty impressed overall with the new setup on that doe. You guys can check that out as soon as I get it up. It'll be I'm hopefully going to get it up early this week. And that'll be the next vlog update if you guys have been following along with that. I really appreciate it. Appreciate all the views. If you are watching those, like and comment on them. That helps us with the YouTube algorithm. Get those videos out there and push a little harder from them as well. Get more people viewing them and then we can make them. That's really what's going to help make them better um, is more people viewing them. Because then we can have more. Well, I end up with more resources to you know, purchase better equipment. That's what it comes down to, and and have more time to edit and put more into the editing process. That's kind of the biggest reason, like, the last Full Draw Fridays have not been on YouTube, and it's taken me a while to get the last vlog updates on. It's just the, the editing time over anything. i got to make money somewhere, and right now the editing isn't paying the bills, so it kind of gets pushed back, and i got to get to it when I can get to it. So that's one thing i gotta I got to work on is trying to get those out a little bit faster now I think we were doing all right earlier in the year but again that editing time takes a little bit so when it's not paying the bills it's a little harder to make that a priority anyway that'll come out that video should come out early this week though so if you guys do want to support what we're doing here on the podcast or any of the stuff we're doing on YouTube or our social stuff any of that going on go check out ridgehunteroutdoors.com if you do and you find something you want on there, use the discount code RHOPOD, that's all caps, R-H-O-P-O-D, and you'll get 10% off of anything on the entire website. So good deal for you, especially with the holidays coming up. Maybe you find a gift on there for somebody. Maybe it's not for you, or maybe you find something you like, and you can get 10% off of it using that discount code. The other things you can do, leave us an app review, and we're doing a giveaway on that too. Um... I think we're still at one, though. So if you guys are listening to this and you have Apple, go to the Apple Podcast app. Just search Ridge Hunter Outdoors. And then I believe you scroll to the bottom and you hit leave a review or write a review or something. I am i don't really care if you even write anything. Just leave one to five stars on there. But if they make you write something, if you don't want to, just put a period in the space or something and, and enter that. That'll be fine. What our giveaway is going to be, when we hit 25 of those on Apple Podcasts, 25 reviews, <clears throat> we're going to draw a name out of those 25 and give away a Wild Game Innovation Spark 2.0 trail camera package. So it's the batteries, the SD card, and a pretty nice trail camera. I think MSRP on that is like 90 bucks. So 
You got a chance to win a $90 trail camera just by going on Apple Podcast and leaving a review. It'll, it'll take like two minutes, I promise, and it won't hurt a bit. So you go on there and do that. Give yourself a chance to win that camera. Again, really helps us out as well. That helps out the Apple algorithms, just like I was talking about with the YouTube stuff. And, that, and again, that's another way. You can go to our YouTube channel, which is Ridge Hunter Outdoors, and you can subscribe there. Hit the notification bell. That way you know when everything does come out. Like, comment. Hopefully going to have some more good YouTube stuff coming up, not just the vlog, especially after the season's over. Got some, I think, some good ideas for some videos I'm going to do. I'm going to try to do some more videos on the management stuff we're doing this year than we did last year. I know we did the Fry Property vlog last year. I did some videos at the cabin. I want to try to do some more of that coming up, maybe help you guys out with your food plots, just seeing the stuff that we're doing that works and whatever doesn't work for us as well. So make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, and then you can follow us on Spotify as well if you're listening to this on Spotify. Hit the follow button, and that'll help you stay up to date with what we got coming out as far as the podcast goes. If you want to support our us through our partners, Check out Grandpa Ray Outdoors. They specialize in providing the best nutrition for white-tailed deer on your property, starting with the soil. They've got a full line of high-quality food plot seed and plant foods. They were started back in 2015, so they've been in the business for almost eight years now. John has actually been in the seed and nutrition industry since 91, so considerably longer than just Grandpa Ray Outdoors. So he's got a ton of knowledge that he can help you guys out with any questions you might have on any of their, I believe they got 14 different food plot blends right now that you can choose from. If you've got questions about any of those and what would be work best for you, John's going to be able to answer those for you with all his experience. They've got fall blends, spring blends, corn and beans, switchgrass, liquid fertilizer, soil test kits, pretty much whatever you're looking for when it comes to food plots, they'll have it. They're going to treat you just like they would, you know, Anybody else that they're they're servicing out there, so whether you're from Alabama or up where they're at in Minnesota or Wisconsin, I can't remember which one it is off the top of my head, actually. Wherever you're from, they're going to treat you all the same, um, answer any questions you have. Like I said, they're going to help you out with your individual situation. So when I say they're going to treat you the same, it's not that they're going to tell you to do the same things, whether you're in Michigan or Georgia, but... They're going to give you the the same help they would anybody else, just like they would someone they know. They treat their clients really well. We've always had a good relationship with them. That's why we partnered with them on the podcast. We, I really like what they're doing up there. John's a great guy to work with, and we've been using their stuff on client properties and on our properties. Obviously, you saw some of it in the Fry Property vlog. On Nate's food plot update that we did, all that Grandpa Ray stuff there, I've been really impressed with how the the plots have turned out with their stuff as well. So the overall forage that we're getting from their stuff in different soil conditions, different shade tolerances, stuff like that, it's just been really impressive. So that's why we're partnering with them on the podcast. And if you want to support us by getting yourself some of the best, in my opinion, some of the best food plot seed that you can get your hands on, Go to GrandpaRayOutdoors.com and use discount code RHOPODCAST. That's all lowercase, no spaces, <clears throat> and you'll get 5% off your entire order. I've also got some of their stuff in the shop, and hopefully going to get some more coming up here before this spring that you guys can stop by, pick some of that up as well. Our other partner is Rack's Big Game Supplements. They're a veteran-owned company out of northeast Nebraska. 
they're deer hunters just like the rest of us. Um, at the time when they started racks, they weren't really happy with what was on the sea, uh, the feed and mineral market. So they decided to fix that problem. They were just going to do it themselves. Through years of research, they came up with their racks products, and it's really one of the best mixes available to improve your herd's overall health. And it doesn't, you won't have issues with feeding non-target species, especially like the raccoons. If you guys have ran feed before, you know that can be an issue. One of Rack's biggest claims is that they don't have problems with anything but deer eating their feed that you put out there. And why waste money on something feeding raccoons when you could be using Rack's big game supplements and feeding just the deer, at least mostly the deer. If you guys want to use discount code RHO22, that's capital RHO22, at checkout on RacksMineral.com, R-A-K-S-Mineral.com, and you'll get 5% off there as well. You can also stop by. We do have some minerals in stock here at the shop as long as you're somewhere where you can use them legally. Again, I've talked about this a lot when we talk about racks. Rodney over in Missouri, who runs some of their stuff, minerals and protein blocks on his property. Just like Grandpa Ray is really impressed with the results we got from that. He got some sweet pictures, a lot of deer in there using those, the blocks and the mineral sites. So haven't used any of their feed yet personally, but have seen it from talking to those guys and and seeing the stuff that they've been running, videos and stuff, it looks like it, I mean, it's just the same. So they've got some real quality stuff. Again, go use that discount code. You can support us while also supporting your deer herd. So it's a win-win-win because support yourself as well because if you got a healthier deer herd, you're going to have better numbers, better bucks, and better hunts overall. Also, we're getting into really close to consulting season. And if you guys don't know, that's one of the services we do provide. It's one of the first things we started doing here at Ridge Hunter. And really one of the reasons we started doing the podcast. We go to consultations and our clients would have a lot of questions about stuff. And we're doing things that I felt like they were getting, they were just getting the wrong information. Whether that be from some TV shows, whether that be from social media, the internet, YouTube, whatever it was, it just seemed like there was a lot of bad information out there when it came to hunting strategy, management strategies, food plot strategies, everything like that. So I want to start the podcast based on that. But again, we're getting close to the consulting consulting season. Usually we'll do a lot of that around January through March. We can get out there and we can really see what you got going on as far as your property goes. We can see a lot more than we would be able to over the summer when stuff starts to green up again. And in the spring, we can get a lot more walking done. We'll come out there. Basically, what we do is we talk to you about what you've been seeing, your deer herd, what your goals are, what issues you think you're having, what you would maybe like to do, what you already have in mind. If you don't have anything in mind, that's fine, too. And then we're going to come up with a, a plan specific for your property. So it's not like we have this one cookie cutter that we put on everybody's property like, here's what you need to do. You got to do this, this, and this. And then that'll make you more successful in growing big deer and having better hunts. There are a few key things that we always look at, and one of the biggest ones is food. <clears throat> Another one, obviously, is water. And then the third one is cover. Those are kind of the three essentials when you're talking about deer just in general. But we're not just going to tell you, we're not just going to come walk your property, take your money, and tell you, well, you need more food, water, and cover. That may be the case. That may be what you need. But if you only need two of those things or one of those things, you just need to do some adjusting. That's what we're going to tell you too. So we're going to 
again, take your situation individually for what it is instead of just telling you the same thing we would tell the next guy and the next guy and the next guy. And we're going to come up with a specific management plan for your property, and that's habitat management and deer management. We end up talking a lot about hunting strategy with guys. Again, that's the reason kind of we started this podcast, but a lot of times even guys that have properties set up well are just having some issues with small things when it comes to hunting. And if you can fix those, then you're going to have better hunts just based on that without ever turning any more dirt or cutting down the first tree or anything like that. There's That's kind of where you have to start, in my opinion, is make sure you're doing everything right when it comes to the hunting part. And then you can look at, okay, are the deer not here just because I was doing, I had horrible entry and exit routes to my stands, or are they not here because the habitat won't support them? And then that's the other thing, obviously, that we look at and we create a plan for is your habitat. And it's pretty cool to see properties that we've been on where we go in and we'll do consulting and some of the ones we've done management on as well. And we kind of get to see them from start to finish and just how much it improves it for all wildlife, not just deer. Obviously, we're focused on deer, but if you're going in there and you're making it better for them, generally you're making it better for all everything out there, whether that be birds, doves, quail, rabbits, turkeys, squirrels. I mean, the opportunity you have to enjoy the outdoors grows exponentially when you take care of your habitat and you start focusing it towards wildlife and even specifically white-tailed deer. There's been properties we've been on where <clears throat> we've gone back and done some mowing for a guy and ran out tons of rabbits and quail and talked to the guy afterwards. He said he'd you know never seen quail there before, rarely sees any rabbits. And that was just a matter of, again, habitat improvement for him, bringing back some cover, adding some food in there. And th- again, they're going to enjoy that stuff just as much as the deer do. And then you're going to start holding those as well. So then you have the opportunity to go quail hunting if you want to, or rabbit hunting if you want to, or squirrel hunting if you want to. Maybe do you want to go turkey hunting and you've never had any turkeys around before. That's another way you can enjoy the outdoors, so not just during the deer season. And then obviously the overarching thing is we're trying to improve that for the white-tailed deer. So you can hold more deer, potentially hold more bucks, and grow bigger bucks. And... That's one of the things, again, we like to see is when our, our consulting clients are, are out there and being successful and shooting nice deer. So if you guys are interested in that, <clears throat> you can go to ridgehunteroutdoors.com slash consulting and management or consulting, I think it's consulting and management. Either way, go to the homepage. You can click on the tab up at the top of the screen that says consulting and management and find out anything you need to know there. You can also send us a message, whether it be through Facebook or Instagram, or just directly through the website or our email, ridgehunteroutdoors at gmail.com. You can <clears throat> ask us any questions you have about that, inquire about the consulting services that we do. We'd love to come out and help you out with your property. Uh, another reason I love doing that is because it's not just helping out one individual guy, but the more properties that we can get set up for good with good habitat for good management of deer, the more guys we can get on the same page hunting-wise, the more overall big deer we're going to have in a specific area. And that's not just around here. We go all over the country and do it. So don't think you got to be in Illinois <clears throat> for us to come out. We've traveled 
quite a ways to do some of those consultations. So if you're interested in that, hit us up, send me a message, and we'll get things going on that. That's just another way, again, you can support what we're doing here and really help yourself out. I think that's one of the biggest things. Guys will spend a ton of money on hunting clothes and their bow and guns and all the bell, all the toys and bells and whistles on stuff. But then they ignore the biggest thing, which is actually the deer and their habitat. So keep that in mind. That's another thing, too. If you got somebody who you think that would make a good Christmas gift for, send me a message. We'll figure something out, some way to do that without them knowing until whenever you want. We'll make, we can surely figure something out for that as well. So thanks, guys, for listening, putting up with us, uh, putting up with me today. Hope that was uh, helpful for some of you as far as the the late season stuff goes. Again, go check out Full Draw Friday number 8 for some more strategies on what you can do for getting out of stands here during this late season. Try to be better on Facebook, on social media. If you're one of those guys that's posting stuff, ragging on other hunters, just be supportive of each other. If you don't like something, it's not that hard to keep scrolling either. Just keep your mouth shut. If you're going to say something... Just try to be positive about it. If you've got something constructive, okay, that's one thing. And maybe you just send that guy a message instead of putting it out there on in a Facebook comment for it to be misconstrued. But try to be better on there, guys. And be better in person as well. Try to be good people, good deer hunters, stewards of the land and the resources that we have. But hopefully that helped you guys out for this week. I hope it at least kept it somewhat interesting. Catch you guys again next Monday. Maybe it won't just be me. Maybe it will. We'll see what happens when we get there. See you guys.